Hello, Bethesda. Good morning. Muy buenos días a todos. Such a great opportunity. I love coming um, to the English service to worship, to spend time with you and get in the Word and pray together. Isn't it wonderful that we have the ability to worship God this morning? Isn't it wonderful that we have an almighty living God that has rescued us? And it's such a, it's such a wonderful time. It's such a great honor to be here. And I want to talk to you this morning about uh, dreaming again, having those dreams of God in our lives to put them there for others, to develop them. You know, the ability to dream is part of the image of God. It is the very beginning God designed every time he wanted uh, um, apples or avocados. You know, by the way, I don't understand people who don't like avocados. Still trying to, you know, trying to get over that. But anyway, have you seen the, when you cut it, there's a big round thing that you should not eat it. Don't try to eat it. It's a seed. And the reason why I believe God put it there, it's because he's not committed to present only. He's committed to future. And so when you have an apple or avocado, God is saying, I'm providing for you today, but I'm also securing tomorrow. And I really believe that that same design, God put it in our hearts. People, you know, for centuries, people have been intrigued about our future. People will pay amounts for others to tell them the future. We are so uh, curious about what it is to happen, what's going to be happening in the next couple of years or in the end days. But can I tell you that future, it's within inside of us. And as we dream, this ability to, to, to dream, to, to become a stewards of future, to dream God's dream is an essential part of a spirit-filled life. It's not something that we just talk about or we just tell we got to keep dreaming. It's part of God's design for us. And I'm always amazed that the Almighty God will drop such powerful seeds of eternity into our hearts to be fulfilled by His grace in our lifetime. There's a, there's a crazy thing here because there is so much eternity and divine that it gets to deposit into something so, you know, carnal, something so earthly, and we may feel that we are not able to fulfill. And that's a good sign because if it's, if it's reachable, it's not God's. It's your own dream. It's your own desire. We all have wishes and desires. And, you know, uh, right before we blow the candle on our birthday, we make a wish, you know. And we, we, we eat the 12 grapes at the end of the year. And, you know, we do all these things. And we have wishful thinking and a happy new year. And, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about God's dream that, well, if, if not touched, will haunt you at night. It will come after you, and it will not leave you alone. It will talk to you. It will remind you of who you are and, and what you're called to do and, and what God has in store for you. It's this dream of God. And can I tell you that I believe it's time to dream for revival in the church. And this starts in, in Acts chapter 2. 
And this is the tipping point where it is said, somebody said this, that God turned the church inside out so the church can turn the world upside down. It started within the church and sprinkled through all avenues and all the ways. And, but let's believe, let's dream for revival. And you may ask, we all have ideas of revival. We all have, you know, pictures, and you may have experienced some, and you may be experiencing some today, but, but that tipping point, that place where it sparked, it happened in, in Acts chapter 2, because God, God's dream for you goes beyond you. Isn't that what happened to Joseph? Joseph at first thought the dreams were about him. You know, he's bragging about with his brothers, and he's telling them how big God, and, and time and experience teaches him that the dream was about others. That's what the process taught him. That it was about somebody else. God's dream in you, it's not about you and your status and what you can do. It's about what God can do through you that will impact the life of others. You know, in Acts uh, chapter 2, and I would like to read it, Acts chapter 2, verse uh, 16 through 18. It is a moment where what we know as the church of Jesus Christ were filled with the Holy Ghost. And we need the Holy Ghost more than ever. And, it, and, it, and at some point, Peter and the disciples, there's a group of believers in unity, in unison, waiting for the promise of the Father. Jesus had told the disciples back in Acts chapter 1 to wait in Jerusalem. Revival was ignited by the fire. We're not only baptized in water, but we're also baptized in the Holy Ghost. We're baptized in fire. And not too long ago I read that in Bethlehem God is God with us. And Calvary is God for us. But in Pentecost is God in us. And that's what we're believing for. That's what we're dreaming about, that God was with us, that God was for us, but also God is in us. And then let's read in Acts chapter 2, verse 16. As all of this happens and unfolding, and Peter says, but this is what has been spoken through the prophet Joel. It's interesting that He's not remembering the past. He's remembering the future. Because a lot of times we are great at remembering our past. And, and this is something that we do with revival. When we think about revival, the very first thing that we do is turn back how it was in the past. We try to remember how it was. But what Peter is saying, listen, this was spoken about what it, what it was to happen. So he's remembering the future. And we need to start looking, God, what are you going to be doing this time? It's the same God, but forms, strategies, mechanisms, systems may change. It may be different, but it's the same Holy Spirit that wants to do something amazing. And, and Peter says, it is was spoken through the, prophet, through the prophet Joel. And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour out for my spirit on all mankind 
on your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. You know this uh, uh, very well. And it says also that the crazy thing is what revival does. And what it does is that it breaks structures. That's the very first thing that happened. At first it says that when the Holy Spirit will come, there'll be no division of skin, there'll be no division of culture, of language, there'll be no division. It says that the Holy Spirit will reach out to all mankind. It will reach all of them. And I love, you know, the thing is, could you imagine that the Holy Spirit will start a revival? How it would look like? How do you think it will, what do you think it will happen? How, what will we be experiencing? Because God shows up and the disciples start preaching the gospel in other languages. As you know, Pentecost was a pilgrimage feast and people from all over the world will come to Jerusalem. So they hear the gospel in their own language. I truly believe that revival is happening in this building right now. The gospel, right, as we speak, the gospel is being preached in English, in Spanish, in Kurundi, Kinyarandan, in Swahili, in French, and later it will be in Burmese. The same Holy Spirit started a revival. It is happening within our church, our fellowship. And it is great that when we dream about God, nobody's left out. All mankind. So no matter your background, no matter your story, no matter what society will say, God has a plan and purpose for you. Then also it says that your daughters, your, your sons will, 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 have, will be the infilling of the Holy Spirit. It means men and women will be touched by the, by the power of God, will have dreams and visions. But also it breaks ageism. It breaks, it says that young and the old. Can I tell you, you're not too young to dream, but you're not too old to dream. You will have a Jeremiah in his mother's womb, and God will separate him for the Holy Ghost, for the, for the kingdom. You'll have a Caleb at 85 saying, I want my mountain. There is no age gap. There is no limit into what God can do in your life. And this is what revival will do. All mankind, sons and daughters, all ages, it includes you this morning. If you're breathing, if you have a heartbeat, let me tell you, God has a purpose in your life, and he's got a dream that is developing in your life. Let's go to uh, Acts chapter 12, and this is where I want to talk to you about dreaming, God's dream. Acts chapter 12. Verse 1. You know, dreams are not necessarily a straight path. Uh, I've heard people calling the Bible an instructional manual, which I understand because it is necessary to put our life together. But I wish my life was just like putting furniture together. You know, it was so easy just to put part A and put B. You know, it was, if, I, I wish it was that easy 
to build our lives. I find it too simplistic. You know, it's not like putting furniture together unless it was one of those IKEA instructional manuals, you know? Have you tried those? Those are hard. They're not easy. You know, I identify with more of those. Like, yeah, yeah, I get it. You know, this piece doesn't work. Oh, let's try a different way. And I think, I love what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4.1. That says, that it says we, are, we are servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. We're servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Life, more than an instructional manner that we have, that we follow, we are administrating mysteries. Life is a mystery. Life is not a cookie-cutter, you know, idea. It's not a formula you download or a recipe you follow. It's a mystery. But it's a mystery that is God-given, that is worth living. In Acts chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Now, about that time, Herod, the king, laid hands on someone who belonged to the church in order to mistreat him. And he had James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword, which is a nice way to say that he was beheaded. It's just a nice way to say it. With the next verse, it says, when he saw it, it pleased you. It, it was people like that. He proceeded to arrest Peter also. And I was during the days of the unleavened bread. When he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him to four squads of soldiers to guard him intending after the Passover to bring him out before the people. So Peter was kept in prison. And I love this. But prayer for him was being made fervently by the church of God. You see, we have two things happening at the same time. We have the prison of Herod, but we have the church praying. And, and isn't that where we are a lot of times? We're in between prison, but a church praying for us. Can we, let me tell you that there's a church praying for you. You may be in the middle of prison. You may be in the middle of, of a, a problem, a situation, but there's a church praying for you. God has not left you alone. Now, what I find interesting in this, as we continue to read, is that Peter was asleep. It says, let's read it. When he had arrested him, he put him in prison, turning him over for four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending only to, the, after the Passover, to bring him in front of the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but prayer for him was being made to God intensely by the church. On the very night, verse 6, on the very night when Herod was about to bring him forward, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and guards in front of the door were watching him over the prison. Behold, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared in a light shone in the cell, and he struck Peter's side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly, and his chains fell off his hands. The very first thing that we learn from Peter is that he was asleep. And can I tell you how difficult that sounds? Because he knows what happened to James, 
not too long ago. It was, this wasn't just like they were unfriend him on Facebook. They were going to, you know, not invite him to the party. No, he was getting killed. It was, it was something serious. They were, it, it was a true persecution of the, for the gospel. And now Peter is put in prison as well. And there are four gods because, you know, at this point there's a, uh, they have a fame, the disciples have a fame that they, learn, they know in the middle of the night, they start praising God, they start singing psalms, and suddenly they start breaking out out of the cells. And so they put Peter with four guards, with, with, with four um, uh, leads of guards with four soldiers each, and he's, just, he's sleeping between two soldiers. And I find that Peter was next to be sacrificed. But he was found asleep. Conditions were terrible. The word on the street that he was next. And I find that to be able to develop God's dream, the very first thing is that we need to learn to rest in the middle of the storm. See, many of us are waiting for the storms to calm down to say, it's time to dream again. Because things have lined up. And, and I found that many times, and, and I really believe that Peter's attitude comes from Jesus himself. There's a part in Mark and in Matthew it is, uh, that Jesus gets into a, a boat and it tells us, I'll see you on the other side. Let's go to the other side. Now saying to the other side, it's securing that God will see him on the other side. But it's not an assurance that nothing will happen in between. He just gives him, says, listen, no matter what happens, I will see you on the other side. And, you know, this, you know the story, there's a big storm and they're trying to find a way to, to deal with it. And suddenly they remember, where's Jesus? And they find him asleep. I don't know if you've ever been there, that you're in pain and it seems like God is asleep. It seems like, God, what's going on? Why aren't you reacting because of the storm? Can you see what's, what, what I'm dealing with? And Jesus gets up and calms the, the storm. And he says, you have to have faith. You have little faith. Why? Because I told you, I'll see you on the other side. It didn't, it didn't mean you were not going to have storms. It didn't mean it was going to be a straight path. It was going to be easy. No, I give you assurance that I, what I said that I was going to do, I will do it. And so Peter, I don't know if it's resignation, or I don't know if he's saying, I give up, or, I'm saying, or he's saying, God is not... Uh, done with me yet. I've seen God perform miracles, even through moments like this. And Peter decides to go to sleep the night before he was going to die. And he had two soldiers with him. He has heard what happened to James. He was next. A couple of years ago, I went to the trip in Mexico, and we were at uh, uh, Baja California, Cabo San Lucas, and uh, that's the Pacific. Now, I grew up in the Caribbean, right? Uh, I, I grew up by the beach, 
It was about 20 minutes to the beach. It was always very nice. You're probably asking, what are you doing here? Well, the Lord who brought me here. I can tell you that. It was definitely the Lord. But I grew up in the Caribbean. If you've been to the Caribbean, it's nice, uh, pristine water and calm. That's not the Pacific. So I went into, it was my first time, only time I've been to that part of Mexico. And, and I was at this resort and I wanted to go to the beach. And it was closed. So that's a first for me. It's like it's never closed down in Honduras. It never happens. And they tell me that, well, the, the ocean is it's right now, it's too rough. And, you know, there are too many waves and they're too big. And it might, you know, you may be able to sink. Only to find out that the following week, there is gonna, they were going to open it because there were uh, a, a world tournament for surfing. So it was close to me. But it was open for the surfers. Or quickly I learned that, yeah, it was going to be closed because I couldn't ride the wave. It was open for those who had learned to ride the waves. So you may be in a place where you're looking at a wave. You're saying, I may sink. And you're waiting for things to calm down. You're, you're waiting for, all right, Lord, I want you to speak to the storm. I want you to calm the waves. And I really believe that what God is asking us to, like Peter is, you've got to learn to ride the wave. It means action is today. It means we can dream today, regardless of what we're going through. You know that resting is not a passive action. It's not staying immobile. It's not staying inert, waiting it out. I'm going to wait. Resting has been diligent with our actions, intentional, and trusting that the Lord will work it out. For many, this is where life has taken us. You know, we hear about God's dream for our life. Reality hits us because there are shackles. There are chains. Many of us, We'll go on a Sunday morning and say, yes, I want to believe for God. Yes, I want to dream again, only to realize that there are shackles, that there are chains. But what happens next, I would like to continue reading. What happens next in chapter 12 of uh, the book of Acts, it's amazing because the angel said to him, guard, uh, uh, a previous uh, verse before that. It says, Behold, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared, and a lion shone in its cell. And it struck Peter's side and woke him up and said, Get up quickly. And, the, and his chains fell off his hands. And it breaks a logical point because many of us are asking, Lord, break my chains so I can dream again. Break my chains so I could do this again. Break my, my shackles so I could have a, an inspiration in life and how, how I could react or respond to what your calling is doing. But the angel tells him, get up quickly. And as he got up quickly, the chains fell off. See, if we're waiting for things to happen, we may be bound all the time. But when we hear the voice of God, he doesn't necessarily deal with what we're lacking. He tells you, this is what you have. You have a word. And the word is, get up quickly. It, it brings a sense in, 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 in God and ministry 
There's a, a paradox that we all go through. And she's in the waiting for one, trusting the Lord and waiting. And then Lord saying, get up quickly. So what it is, do I wait? Do I, do, do I get up quickly? What do I do? And this is led by the Holy Spirit. It is not a passive that we just go to sleep. It means we are depositing all of ourselves, depositing our future in the hands of the Almighty God. As he got up, the chains broke. I really believe that this is what we're going to be facing today. Many of us have tried before. Many of us have a desire to serve. Many of us have tried projects. And many of us have, I, I, I wish I could have done this. It just didn't work. Oh, in previous years, and, and this happened before, and, and we may be frustrated. We may be having an experience that brings us into chains. But I really believe that the Lord is saying this morning, come on, get up quickly. And as you line up, not with your past experiences, but by the voice of God, the chains will fall off and you will be set free and your dream that God has deposited in you will bring you into fruition. So for many of us, this is where we've been. Lord, fix this so I can do that. But can I tell you the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Now it, 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 it tells Peter, come on, quickly. And it gave him some specific directions into what he was about to have. And this is what brings me to this second point. Dreaming God's dream is preparing for a trip only with the essentials. I think airlines and their great desire to serve us, taught us a great, amazing life lesson. When I was growing up, you could take as many bags as you could. And people were very creative, you know, they would bring, are you moving? No, I just went for the weekend for shopping, you know? <laughs> it's, it's just how many, of, how many, it was like, how many people, you know, how many bags can you take? And something suddenly happened, and it was for a benefit, really. It was for our well-being to learn how to travel lightly. Because they were, they were all about serving us in that way and giving us life lessons. <laughs> but Peter, what he learns, and it tells, the angel tells him, get up quickly. Put your clothes, tie your shoes, and let's go. Follow me. That's all it tells him. Now, I admire people who would just get, up in the, just get in the car and let's go for a ride. That doesn't work for me. You got to tell me where we're going. You're going to the movie theater. You're going to take me to the restaurant. Where are we going, right? No, let's just go for a drive. That doesn't work for me. But what, what the angel tells Peter, he tells him, follow me. It doesn't tell him where he's taking him. It doesn't tell him how things are going to work out. It just tells him, follow me. Many of us, many of us are walking according to what we lack. But faith is acting according to what we have. Prepare to follow me, it tells us. But it's interesting that it's a clear direction 
unclear path. One step at a time. I know we will all like to just download our future and says, oh, we're, this, is, this is where I'm supposed to be doing. This is, this is how long it's going to take. But it takes faith to know the next step of God. It takes faith. Now, he will lead you. He will guide you. And doors will start to open. And this is what happens. Let's, let's continue reading. Because it says, then the angel said to him, gird yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. I, I admire Peter for his faith. And he said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and continued to follow. Even though he didn't know where he was going, he knew he had something and it was a direction from the Lord to follow him. There's many, many years ago, I had a conversation with Pastor Des. Um, and like many of his conversations, you will hear it first and understand it later. <laughs> because, I mean, it was, it, it, he didn't use words just randomly. And it was like, he, when he said something, it was like, oh, that's what he meant. You know, we were just chit-chatting. It was just so much depth in, in, in his words. And one time we were talking about the difference between reality and truth. And in reality, it's just where I'm standing right now. But truth is what God has said about me. And sometimes we can make decisions based on reality. We can base our faith as to where we are currently. But God has said something about you. And that is the truth. The truth is a person. It's not ideology. It's not a thought. It's not a philosophy. It's a person. It's the person is Jesus Christ. The truth. The truth challenges our reality. And this is where we are today. We have a reality, but we have a truth. Are we going to build our life on the reality of just what the circumstances and just, just what's happening in the world or on the truth of God? It follows the angel, because it tells him, follow me. That's all he needed to know. Follow me. And, and in that place, it's difficult. It, is, it requires trust, complete trust. But let's continue reading. And at that moment, it says that as he followed him, as he was walking, it says, and he went out and continued to follow. And he didn't know what was being done by the angel was real. He, can I tell you that level of trust that Peter had, that he was so asleep, that a miracle is happening, and he's still thinking that he's asleep. It's so, I mean, I, mean, I admire him. Because he's so asleep that a miracle is happening, he still thinks he's dreaming. It's just, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and the second guard, they came into the iron gate that leads into the city, which opened for them by itself. And they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. Past experiences can make us think that doors are closed. He will lead us to open doors. But here's the thing, you have to face those doors. And as you walk through there, 
you will realize. There was an, first, there were guards, and he walked through there. There was an iron gate, which is not easy to move. And when he stepped in front, it says that it, that it opened by itself. The effort was stepping in front of it in faith. The effort was not saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work through this. I'm going to train so I can move this iron gate. No, you're not supposed to. You're supposed to cross it. And we all face, when it comes to dreaming, we all face iron gates. Because if we didn't face them, we, there wouldn't be dreams. There would be realities. We wouldn't be wishing for it. We wouldn't be saying, in the future, I will do this. There are those open there are those doors, there are iron doors. But as you walk in the lead of the Holy Spirit, sometimes don't know how it's going to happen, but you have a word. Follow me. Follow my lead. I know what I'm doing. Trust in me. And as he goes through there, the doors start opening. We're facing the door and they open it by itself. And can I tell you that you don't need to Line up your dreams to people's expectations, but to the God that is giving direction to you this morning. And this brings me to the third point. First, we learn that we have to learn how to rest in the middle of the storm. We have to travel. We have to get ready for a trip. A couple of weeks ago, uh, my parents came to visit from Indiana, and it's always cold in Indiana. And uh, it's windy and a lot of snow. And, and so uh, my, my mother-in-law was asking me, what should she pack? And, and she was asking me, it's going to be cold or it's going to be hot? And I said, both, because that's Texas. <laughs> I wasn't much of a help. You know, it can be hot and cold in the same day. <laughs> we just learned to have uh, two wardrobes in us, you know. It's going to be cold in the morning if we just strip some and then we're ready for the rest of the afternoon, you know. We learn to travel lightly. And number three, this is when it talks about the church. Open the door again. The angel disappears. And this is the interesting thing. Then Peter goes into the church. Obviously, the church was in a building. It was a, a, an assembly of believers who were praying for him. They were believing for him. And he knocks on the door. And it's interesting that the angel opened all of the doors but the last one. And the last one was the church's. That's the door he didn't open. Peter was knocking. And somebody listens to him. And it tells, recognizes Peter. And she gets so excited that it goes, not, doesn't open the door, but she goes to tell the rest of the congregation. And this is a congregation that were struggling. They were struggling. They were still praying. And this is what I love about the church what's happening here. In this, in this uh, chapter. Because they have suffered, they have, they've been scarred, but they're still praying. Things didn't turn out the way they wanted or they expected it. They prayed for James, and James got killed. And now it's Peter, 
And what did they do? They assumed that Peter already died because that's what happened last time. It's going to happen the same time. I mean, we're going to pray, but can I tell you that God even listens to those imperfect prayers? Lord, I know you didn't do it last time. I'm still praying. I'm still believing. But back of my head, I know you did it with somebody else. I don't know if you'll do it with me. And they say, no, you're out of your mind. And tells them, that's his angel. For them, it was easier to justify their fears, super spiritualize their frustration, disillusion, saying, oh, no, 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 that's his angel, because he's already dead. It already happened again. We're not winning, we're losing. And it's interesting that it was easier for them to see an angel than to see God answering. Because now what happened to James, now this is going to happen to Peter as well. And how do we deal with this? When there are past experiences, now we tend to build walls and to swallow the key and say, it's not going to happen to me again. And we filter life through those experiences and we just close the door. Again, what amazes me is all doors open. The guards, the opposition, what the enemy had in mind. Herod, nobody could stop it. All the doors were open. Only the church was closed. He had to knock. Hey, it's me. It's Peter. There's a moment in the book of Revelation, chapter 3, where Jesus is knocking at a door. And I've always, I grew up with evangelism. I've worked in evangelism. I always thought that this was talking about evangelism. You know, we use it all the time. It's like, oh, the Lord is knocking on the door. And if you want to come uh, you know, to the Lord, and he will, have, he will dine with you today. And it's great. But when you look at the context of what happened in Revelation, it's talking to our church. A church that has closed its doors, has closed it so tightly that didn't even, Jesus didn't fit there. Jesus was outside, hey, I'll, I'll still dine with you if you open the doors. That's what had happened. The past experiences had made him close the doors. And part of dreaming, God's dream, is to learn to rest in the middle of the storm. It's to get ready to travel. We are on a trip to go lightly. Just take the essentials. What it means is you may not know all the details right now, but you have a word, and that will open the doors for you. At the same time, there's an openness that the church had. There's a door that needed to be open. Can I tell you this morning, it's time to dream. It's time to believe God will do amazing works, that we are living in revival, that we are seeing God move in an amazing, and this is only the beginning. We're learning to surf those waves. We're learning to travel lightly with only the essentials. And I want us to pray that God that is knocking in our door will open our door of our hearts 
and we'll listen to what he has for us. Let's close our eyes. Lord, I want to thank you. Because you have deposited in all of us these dreams, these desires, these seeds of future, Lord, in each one of us. And we may not understand that. We may not even know or recognize or acknowledge them. We may not even know that they're in there. But in faith, Lord, whether we know what they are or not, we want to praise you, we want to thank you. Because you have trusted with eternity. You have trusted us with eternity, Lord. I want to thank you this morning, Lord, because each man and woman who is here present and online, you have a plan for them. That we may be able to see your goodness, Lord. That your love reaches so far that even in a different language, in a different culture, a different context, you will reach out to us and we will hear your gospel. Lord, we want revival for your church that will break chains, that will break, Lord, what was man-made so we can take what was God-given. We want to thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. No matter how young or how old, no matter where, where we've been, we just know that we can dream again. We will dream. We'll take your dreams. And Lord, we are getting ready to travel. We are getting ready, ready for the trip. At the same time, Lord, open our hearts. We want to say yes to you. We want to say yes to your lead, to follow you. We want to go, Lord, where you have us. We open the doors to your Holy Spirit so we can hear you and we can follow you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.